All right, it's time to talk some more sports here as we you know reconvene here on the Sports Block Podcast, first podcast in a in a long while here, and it's August. College football is right around the corner, and who better to talk college football with and preview the upcoming season than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, long time no talk. How's it going? Vincent Stackett, how's it going down? Triple B's, baby. Yes, I'm indeed. Good. How are you doing, Bart? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Yes, well. well of course, uh, Lavar Ball will play. Uh, played that earlier on the podcast. It's it's just I still can't believe that Lavar Ball uh, that you kind of orchestrated this uh, along with Travis and and getting uh, Lavar Ball to to um, record a cameo for me. Um, it, it still blows me away. I, I got to tell you, but I got to give credit to my sister. Uh, she showed that to be that they have these over Christmas break and at some point I saw he was on there so for months I was like I gotta remember to do this I gotta remember to do this at some point well you did and it was it was awesome we I we we watched it together uh, over uh, well you saw it of course before I did but it was unveiled at Travis and Melissa's wedding and that was very cool we all we were all there it was the first time ever that all of us Marcus Travis Yourself, myself, and David Schottenkirk were all in the same physical uh, location together. That was a lot of fun. It's true. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a real the planets aligning situation, and you know, I had a lot of fun there. I hope you guys, uh, I hope you did also. I sure did. I sure did. We sweated our ass off, but it was it was it was a fun uh, time, regardless. Uh, very, Unsurprisingly, very fun. we spent most of the time indoors, where it was cool. Yes, yes. Even though when we had the beers afterward, it was a little... Uh, oh, no, were you gone by that point? Did you leave? Uh, maybe. I, I left. I think you did. Yeah. Shortly after, like, we were basically done cleaning up. I Okay, yep. So, yeah, we, we went and had some beers at one of the breweries or whatever downtown, and we sat outside, and it was still beastly hot at, like, 1030 at night. I buy that. It was really hot that day. Before we get into it, so we're going to do a, 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 mega, a mega college football preview. Uh, we'll do multiple uh, segments over the upcoming weeks. Uh, we'll go conference by conference and make our picks. And at the very end, we'll, we'll give the college football playoff teams and all that stuff. But before we get to that, I was telling you a little a bit about this af, uh, off, off air. But uh, with my new son, Jason, you know... Trying to get him to to take a nap or whatever, so I'm walking around the house, you know, kind of rocking him and whatnot. And all of a sudden, this fight song comes into my head, and I'm like, I I don't know whose this is, but I think I have an idea. And for the life, of, I I don't know why it popped into my head. It's not like I enjoy this team at all, and I was like, it's got to be either. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, or Notre Dame's fight song. I just, I, I don't know why it was in there, but it was. And so here, exactly, I'm not humming this, but, oh, well, let's get, let's get out of here for a sec. Uh, that, that's an ad we don't need to do, but I, I don't know why, but the Michigan fight song popped into my head, and it has put Jason to sleep. Several times. I don't know what that says for uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan football, but um, 
It, I think we it, should say that your son Jason is already of all the sports loud sports black people the best troll because literally he's just saying that Michigan's offense puts him to sleep. I think which so. Which is a great joke at his young age to have already come up with. I would agree. So here, here's part of this fight song. Oh, maybe. Uh, regardless. I'll try and get it pulled up here. But uh, yeah, fascinating that... Uh, I can put him to sleep by doing that. Uh, it's it's just amazing. I, I wouldn't have ever thought it. Um, here we go. Nope, that's the wrong one too. Come on, what? Here we go. This, I think I finally pulled up the right one here. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that the state bands have put lyrics to that song that are not the real lyrics, and as you can imagine, they do not say nice things about Michigan. I, I, I would imagine. I would imagine not. So uh, obviously, uh, my brain is in the college football mood here. How excited! Before we get into our our previews here this week, we're going to talk about the AAC, the Big Twelve, and the SEC because there is a, a correlation amongst these conferences with them poaching off, uh, teams off one another. So I thought we'd kind of do it based on that. Um, just your general overall excitement level for this upcoming college football season. What is it? I'm excited for it. I'm not as excited as some seasons in the past, but that's mostly just due to Nebraska not being good for multiple years in a row. Um, I don't know how much we're going to talk about this today. I know just with some of the off-field stuff and the rule changes and the transfer to conferences, I don't know if I love all of that stuff, but I know once the season starts, like it's all out the window. Like The first time you see a team go on a fourth quarter you know, game-winning scoring drive with 10 seconds left in the game to go in front. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much I love this when this was really quick. I mean, we'll get into a lot of, like, the Big Ten and stuff here in the next week or so, but uh, I can't wait for Rutgers against USC uh, kicking off at 10.30 p.m. on FS1. Um to end hey, my, don't o- forget. my October set like week six in mid October of college football. Nothing screams Big Ten football like Rutgers at USC. The new biggest Big Ten West divisional game, Minnesota and UCLA. I mean, that's that'll be the world we're living in. Yes, uh, I, I mean, mean they probably won't have divisions anymore. Probably not, but yeah, you can imagine it would be USC, UCLA, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, and and um. Wisconsin probably in there. I since we're we're on that subject, I hate it. Um, I I think at this point the Pac-12 and the Big 12 should merge, but that's not likely to happen. I would you know they really of, should, and they're being dumb that they're not doing it. And they're like, no, we're gonna we can punch these teams that we want. It's like you guys should be in survival mode right now. They should. I think if you if if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 were smart. Uh, the, the 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 Big Twelve can say, "Hey, West Virginia, if you want to leave, go to the ACC. That's fine. UCF, thanks, but no thanks. You can go. Cincinnati, you can go too. And then you could have a nice twenty-team league with obviously the Big Ten or the the Big Twelve members that are already in existence, plus Houston, plus BYU. 
You get the Pac-12 teams in there as well, the other the other 10, and then you could um, take Boise State and you'd have 20 teams in there. That would you would have the entire central and western part of the country and you'd have pretty much all of Texas apart from Austin and parts of Houston, what you know where Texas A&M's at. I don't know why they wouldn't do this because you have a claim to half the country then for all the all the viewers. I, I agree. Now, now, I would also say that I would be. I, I think getting rid of West Virginia would be fine, but I don't know if I'd be as antsy to get rid of Cincinnati and UCF just because it opens recruiting territory. That sure. you'd be like, yeah, we would want to be able to recruit. That makes sense. Be like, yeah, you can play. You, I mean, you'll get to play in Florida twice every four years, depending on how the schedule works out. True. Yep. And that that makes sense. I was just thinking, like, for geographical purposes, like, just how it, it would just make sense to. Uh, I mean, and plus, it's not like Cincinnati and UCF are in the Big Twelve yet. You know, it, it just True. it just would make sense for them to do a merger at this point. But your thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten and what this does for college football, because I don't like it. I don't like that we're going to the mega conferences, but that's obviously the way it's going. If you're the Big Ten conference, it makes sense. I understand that you're wanting you want to get teams with big, you know, I don't think the television markets mean nearly as much now as they did 12 years ago during the realignment, because, you know, so many people don't get cable or stuff like that anymore now. Mm-hmm. But, but brand names, big or areas where there are a lot of kids you can recruit, that those are both important. And, I mean, for USC and UCLA, I mean, it sucks for fans because you're not going to be playing, you know, all the teams you're used to. But it makes sense from a, we want to, you know, stay alive. I mean, they're doing the same thing Nebraska did in 2009 or 10, whenever they announced they were leaving for the Big Ten. Is that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and all the Big 12 South schools were saying they were going to leave to join the Pac-12. Or the, I guess at the time, I think the Pac-10. Yep. And Nebraska was just like, oh, well, I mean, if we can go to the Big Ten, it's going to be safe there. I, we don't want to be left holding the check. And they left. And I think USC and UCLA are basically doing the same thing. So it makes sense from their perspective. But if you're a fan, I think it sucks because, I mean, I, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm in a better position to say this than most fan bases mm-hmm. as a fan of a team who was very, I mean, now granted, the Texas schools weren't in the big eight, but Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and all the other Big 12 North schools were. Mm-hmm. And just and you think like, oh, wow, this is going to be great. And, you know, it's fun when you play Ohio State or Michigan and it's a big game, but there are a lot of games against you know, Purdue and Illinois and Indiana, and you're just like, I don't care about these, these teams at all. Mm-hmm. Iowa and Wisconsin, especially because they beat Nebraska recently, they're good enough that it's like, well, you don't want them to lose to this team. But it, 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 there's just so many things that you don't realize. And you know, I, if you would have told me in 2010 that by 2020 or through the 2021 season, I would not feel fully adjusted to the Big Ten. I would have been like, well, no, of course you're not. It won't take that long, but it just it just doesn't work that way that you're just like, Oh, this still feels weird in Nebraska, like geographically and socially was like a pretty good fit for the big 10 too. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be so much weirder 
you know, for USC and you. The the upside is if you're, especially if you're a team that's good, and you're like, oh hey, we played a road game in Los Angeles. Cool in November. What a great road trip in November. That'll be fun. So like, I don't want to say it's all bad, but the downside is that we see, you know, nothing's official yet. But it just seems like we're headed to two mega conferences. I mean, you know, that it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. And they might even separate from the rest of college football and do their own thing. I don't know. Yep. And I, I, I would think I could, or at least to a degree, speak for you. I'll really only speak for myself. That I'm glad that my favorite team would be in one of the half conferences, not the half dots. Right. But it also is just like this is also kind of gross too. And you know, I feel bad for like Iowa State and Kansas State fans. And also, it's just. Like, it's always been money-driven, but when it's just this ostentatious and obvious, where it's just like, oh, this is kind of gross when they do this, though. I, I agree. I mean, and I feel bad for the student-athletes, not that anyone cares really about them, but, I mean, like, consider, like, softball or baseball. Hell, even basketball and stuff. You know, all the, like, Maryland having to travel out west to take on UCLA. Like, it's just, like, obviously, they aren't really caring about the 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 student athletes in this this is all driven entirely by football because it's one game a week you're not playing multiple you know two three four games a week in some scenarios here and i know we talk all in by television networks that want big games that they could broadcast yep and and that's what they they want in all of this i mean that again college football uh, like the media rights and stuff, the television deals, that's what's uh, in large part driving this. But, uh, I mean, you and I have also talked about, too, in the past, just regarding NIL and what's that and what that's doing to college football and, and all this stuff. So it doesn't feel like it's in a great spot, but unfortunately it doesn't feel like we're going to be able to turn back to what college football was even five years ago. Yeah, true. And, and, and like, I, we didn't know. I mean, we obviously, the last time we talked, didn't know about the USC and UCLA thing. Mm-hmm. I think the conference stuff and changing teams is actually, like, the worst thing that's going to make it potentially, like, the most unrecognizable. Like, there's, yes. we've talked about Transfer Portal and NIL stuff, and there's some stuff with that that's like, oh, this is different, and I don't know if I love all of this stuff, but I think the... Uh, the conferences and the constantly like, oh my God, who are we going to get now? What conference is going to do what? But I think that actually has the biggest chance for just like, oh no, this is unrecognizable and I don't know if I like this anymore. I would agree. I would absolutely agree to that. Shall we get to uh, anything else uh, regarding the the upcoming season um, that you have thoughts on or excited for before we go into this conference preview portion? Um... I think we can just get started with the preview. I mean, unfortunately, this happens a lot of times in the offseason, but just the biggest stuff is off-the-field stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. not – I mean, there will be plenty of fun and interesting storylines, I'm sure, but, you know, like it makes Alabama having a rebuilding year and playing in the national title game. But. Yep, agreed. Uh, this year, I actually went out and I got a magazine, and I've been combing through it here. I've been reading up on on the 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 previews for each of these teams, so I feel a little more educated here this year in my picks. I think uh, maybe that's a bad thing, but I feel like I'll be able to uh, 
exfoliate a lot more knowledge uh, uh, throughout our previews here. So I, I look forward to that. Uh, with, the, with that being said, let's begin our preview uh, of the college football season, the 2022-2023 college football season, with a look at the AAC, the Big 12, and the SEC. And if you're wondering, like, well, are you going in alphabetical order? Obviously, you missed the ACC, uh, the Big 10. Like, why are you doing this? I'm trying to go with a like connecting the, the dots. So the AAC is getting poached by the Big 12 because the SEC is poached Texas and Oklahoma away from the Big 12. So we're kind of connecting the Ooh, dots. I didn't notice that that's what you were doing. I like that. That works well. Yes. Yep. So that's why we're we're going with this here. Um, and that's uh, next week or in a couple weeks we'll do the Big 10 and the Pac-12 because of that link. There and then the ACC is kind of off by themselves, so I figured we, if they're independent of the other four, we'll add the independents in there and the other ones. So that was kind of the, the correlation that I'm trying to um, bring about here with the with this preview. It's good. I like it. Thank you. I so, like the connective tissue there. Yes. Yes. Uh, hopefully, there's not a lot of tissue injuries, soft tissue injuries, ACL injuries, like we're seeing uh, in the NFL with these training camps and whatnot. Um, but let's start with the American, and we don't need to go team by team with the American because no offense to East Carolina or Tulane or Tulsa, but they're just they're insignificant or irrelevant to the greater conversation of the college football landscape this year. If I'm looking at the American, I'm looking at three teams in particular, really just, yeah, three teams, maybe four. But the top three teams in this conference are Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. And I would, you could maybe throw SMU in there, but their head coach, Sonny Dykes, I believe, left for uh, TCU. So there's going to be a bit of a transition there for SMU. It's really, I think, boils down to those first three teams I mentioned, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. And I think this is going to be a real big battle because as we've seen, like last year with Cincinnati making the college football playoff, they, I mean, they had Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, a very good team, but they lost all that talent uh, to the Back-to-back back New Year's Six Bowls also. Yes, uh, yes. After be- making it last year. Yeah, because who they beat? Was it Georgia or Auburn in the Sugar Bowl the year before? I think it was Auburn or was it Georgia? It was, was they, I was thinking they lost. Or maybe lost by, to Georgia, Georgia by three? By three or something. By like yeah, three or six or seven or something. Yeah. Um, so as we look at this here, what do you make of the AAC? And who, like, how do you kind of go about looking at who's going to win here? Because I think Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF all have largely favorable schedules. Full disclosure, the college football preview I have, I didn't realize this till right now. They only have the Power Five conferences in here. Okay. Um, so I'm going off memory for the AAC stuff. I didn't remember that those were the three best teams last year and that Cincinnati made the playoff. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, I think UCF lost two or three games. I think Houston lost two or three games. UCF was 9-4 and four, and Houston was 12-2. and two. Okay. I think Cincinnati, with Luke Fickle still there, will still be good. I think they're going to take a step back. They lost a lot of guys, including mm-hmm. their quarterback. Um, I, I, I don't think they're going to fall off and go 8-5 or anything. But I don't think they're going to make a legit run at the playoff again. Um, 
I think Houston will still be good. I, I, but I, I think that UCF will be the team that bounces back and wins the conference this year. You, you have UCF, okay? I, I have UCF, I, and I think you know, Gus Malzahn is there. Uh, they dealt with a rash of injuries last year, but I do like their the overall pieces that the AAC has in total. Uh, if you're looking at UCF specifically, uh, quarterback. Here, who do we have? Ryan, uh, uh, no, uh, Mikey Keene is pretty good. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe is a huge playmaker for them. Defensively, they're pretty good overall. Um, I just, I guess, have more faith in Gus Malzahn than I maybe do. Like, Dana Holgerson uh, is the head coach at Houston. All offensive guys, but obviously yep. Malzahn's had more success as a head coach. Yes. And at a, at a, for a UCF team that's been pretty good on offense the last five or six or five years or so. The one since thing, whenever Scott Frost took over. Yes, and I think the, so. The one thing I'm kind of looking at here with with Houston is the fact that they don't have to play either Cincinnati or UCF this year. That is a huge. Uh, that I didn't realize. That is yeah. Okay. All right. So that is that is a big boost for them. Um, and I'm looking at this schedule here that Houston has. They're at uh, UTSA. They're at Texas Tech to open up the season. Then home against Kansas, home against Rice, home against Tulane. I mean, that's – I got them going 5-0 and in that stretch. I get that the Texas Tech game might be a little difficult, but I think Houston's built better than Texas Tech is right now. Texas Tech, a new head coach, kind of getting, um, you know, that, that program reestablished. Um I have Houston losing one game in in the the, the season. I have them making it to the conference championship game. Um, I have them losing at SMU November fifth, and even that maybe seems like a bit of a stretch. But I think Houston is going to do major damage this year. Well, uh, I don't know if you have the roster, the uh, schedules there. I do. I do. Do Cincinnati and UCF play each other? Cincinnati and UCF do play each other, yes. Uh, October 29th in Orlando, so at UCF. In Orlando, okay. So I feel better about making UCF then. Yes. To win the conference, because they do get a home game yep. against Cincinnati then. Yep, and I'm looking at UCF, and I also have them going 11-1. and They they have a home game with Louisville. That's going to be a bit of a struggle, but I think they win that one. A home game with Georgia Tech. Tech's terrible. I ain't going to... like. Yeah, that's an easy win. Yeah, Georgia Tech might be good in two years. They're not going to be good this year. Right. Uh, SMU is at home, so that's that's uh, important. They're at East Carolina. That could be a bit of a trap game, especially because that's the week before Cincinnati at home. So that's maybe a, a little bit of a tricky game. But I give them UCF. I have them at eleven and one with their one loss at Memphis, which is follow, which is November fifth, the week after Cincinnati. But they're going to beat Navy. They're going to beat South Florida. They're going to beat Tulane. I just love what UCF has, and I think the schedule is set up favorably for them. I agree. So I think we both got UCF and uh, Houston in the conference title game. Yes. Just maybe have a, you just maybe have a difference on who wins, possibly. Yeah, and I have Cincinnati at 10-2 and two losses at Arkansas and UCF. So I don't think that it's going to be a huge drop-off for them. 
They do have a... If you're looking at the Cincinnati schedule, they're at Arkansas week one, September 3rd. The week after that, they play Kennesaw State. And you're like, well, that's really nothing of note. But Kennesaw State has a really good quarterback here. Let me find him. Uh, uh, his name is Xavier... And in theory, if you believe in the solid verbal body Arkansas being tough and physical, being mm-hmm. beat up against... Uh, I mean, even if Cincinnati beats Arkansas, it would still be like, oh, wow, we're maybe not 100% the next week. Yep. Those are the games where you're like, oh, huh, how did this game get so low scoring? There was a weird upset there. Kennesaw State, though, uh, has a quarterback who's been kind of touted as the best quarterback at the FCS level in Xavier Shepard. Um, triple threat quarterback, according to Craig Haley. Um, with all, uh, with Athlon Sports here and then this um magazine that I have so I think that could be a bit of a trap game uh, but I think Cincinnati ultimately way too good for Kennesaw State but I mean they don't have they have back-to-back road games at SMU and at UCF I think that's going to create a little bit of an issue for them but then they end with three of four at home Navy East Carolina then they're at Temple and home to Tulane so I th- really think that the most difficult stretch for them is going to be October 22nd October 29th at SMU and at UCF. I think that's where Cincinnati's downfall is going to be. They're losing at least one of those two games. I think that's fair. I would agree with that. So uh, Also, just hearing this, this makes me feel bad that it's the ACC. It's like, oh, hey, guess what? We're good again. It's like, oh, wait, all these top three teams are, are, are leaving the conference. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in the AAC National Championship game, I have, I think we both have the same teams there. Do we want to give our title picks now or wait until, the before the season? I'm okay either way. Whatever you want to do. You know, I, this, this is what, maybe yeah. we should do this. I don't know if we want to give the power five ones away, but I'm assuming we, we've all got losses. So we, I think it's safe to say we don't have the AAC teams going Playoffs. No. So I think it would be I think it'd probably be okay to at least give this one away. Okay. Yep. Which team you want you think's gonna win the conference. I do think one whoever wins this conference is going to be right on the outside of the college football playoff. I think there will would be some consideration for it, but I have Houston over UCF. I've got UCF over Houston, and I think we probably would both agree that Whoever wins in that game is the one that gets the group of five spot in the New Year's Six games and plays whatever really good SEC or Big Ten game or team. I don't necessarily agree with that, no? but I think okay. it could All be. Right, then. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but I do have a team on the outside that I'm looking at here. I won't give that away yet, but... Um, All right. I, I, Intriguing. I like the nice little tease there. Yes, thank you. I, I do think that Houston or UCF... If they have the one loss, though, a very good chance that they can make it in um, as that non-group of five in the New Year's Six Bowl. So I do think that is something of note. Let's go to the Big 12 now. And, I mean, the Big 12, of course, a lot of upheaval. You have Oklahoma and Texas. I think they they could exit after this season, or maybe there's, there's two years left. Either way... I don't think a program had as tumultuous of an offseason, maybe in a, yeah, all, you could maybe say forever. I don't know. Okay, maybe not. That That's probably Penn State but um, or SMU back in the 80s. But certainly 
in the last few years, Oklahoma was of, of non-sanctioned or like yes. breaking the rules or laws ways. Yeah. They were torn apart. Lincoln Riley leaves. Uh, you know, their quarterbacks, both of them leave. Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina. Um, Williams, Caleb Williams yeah, to USC. Yes, to he follows follow Lincoln Riley. Riley. There, there's a whole bunch of other guys who transfer out. They get Brett Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson. Uh, what, is he an alum or used to be a deep former coordinator at Oklahoma, so he kind of comes back? Yeah, he used to be a coordinator. I don't remember where he went to college. I know he's, but he's, he's been a coordinator both at Oklahoma and Kansas State. I mean, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, perennial playoff team or right on the cusp there. But this Big 12 this year feels very wide open and not a lot of strong teams. I think there's going to be a lot of middling or meddling uh, amongst the teams, but I do kind of have a sleeper team in here that I think you should, that will need to be watched for. But what are your overall impressions of the Big 12, and what are you looking for? I think it'll be really interesting to see how different Oklahoma. I mean, like we'll see. Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, is their offense going to be as good? You know, a lot of times defensive coordinators don't like or they want to play to their defense, which, mm-hmm. would, you know, is, is not what Oklahoma's done the last five or six years. But at the same time, there are also defensive coordinators who are like, hey, this is the kind of offense that I hate defending against, so maybe that's what we want our offense to do. So maybe maybe the offense will have some similarities and still be high scoring. Um, and, I mean, and also just how – I remember Nebraska's last year at the Big 12, how every road game was so uh, – the animosity levels from the other fans was very high. Quite hostile, and I you think would say? Especially Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, Nebraska at Kansas State, because Kansas State really hated Nebraska. Yeah. That, that maybe is – we would be at that level. I'm trying to remember. I remember if they played in Iowa State. I think that was on the road, too. And I know Iowa State didn't like Nebraska either, but for everyone else, I think Texas especially, they will be like, oh, my God, I can't wait to, you know, wear my hook em down shirt yes. and have hook em upside down, hook em horns the whole time. And just how Texas and Oklahoma deal with that. And, you know, if, if Oklahoma still had Lincoln Riley, I think we would all be like, well, yeah, that'll be fine. This will be great. They might still be really good, but it's it's unclear. And obviously, we don't know anything about Texas. I mean, they—I would imagine they'll be better in year two mm-hmm. under Sark. But I mean, you don't know. So, but, but at the same time, you know, I think if I remember, I think it was Baylor and Oklahoma State in the conference title game last year. It was a game. I don't think just short uh, Oklahoma State winning that game. Yeah, and like I don't think either of those two teams are going to be like terrible. But by no means am I like wow. I think they're going to go thirteen and zero and waltz into the playoff as mm-hmm. the two seed. Yeah, like you said, I think at the top they will have a lot of above-average teams, but not like an, oh my God, this is one of the five best teams in the country. Nobody like that. Right. And And Kansas will still be bad. Yes. Well, you know what? I actually, I'm I'm a little more bullish on Kansas than what I, than I think what most people have. I have Kansas with five wins. I would say four is more likely the case. But I did give Kansas a win against Texas in Lawrence just because I I think that's funny. I, mean, I hope they do. It's always so much fun when they beat Texas. I mean, they beat Texas last year. so I, I, yeah. mean, I think they've won two out of the last four years now. Maybe it's five. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kansas has some 
legit talent on their team uh, that you might not necessarily expect. But um, you know, their their quarterback here is uh, let me get uh, Jalen Daniels potentially. He's the the transfer from Arizona State. Um, so that is certainly a possibility. Uh, I think you know Devin Neal, uh, good running back. He had a um, good freshman year. So I think Kansas has the potential to to do a few things, and dare I say, they may have a chance the last week of the season to become bowl eligible against in-state rival Kansas State. That's what I have Kansas as. I don't think it's likely to happen. Actually, I would love that for Kansas playing Kansas State. With if they win, they go to a bowl game. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff I love about college football. Mm-hmm. Where if they win, they're super excited and feel great. If they lose, Kansas State gets to play the, you know, na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye song and laugh at them on the yes. door, too. Yep. And actually, in that game, I have Kansas State winning it to improve to bowl eligibility. I have Kansas State at 6-6. Six and six. I really can't figure out the Kansas State. So you have them both at five wins, so both of them need to win. Oh, yes. even better. That's, that's like the dream scenario for rivalry games at the end of the year. Exactly. I and, mean, well, or, or if it's not, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and the winner goes in the conference title game. If it's not that, then it's the winner goes to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Those are the two most fun. Kansas State, great running back in Deuce Vaughn. He kind of can do it all, and I think that's where their offense is going to largely go through. But Skylar Thompson isn't their quarterback, uh, so they're, they're bringing in a new quarterback. I just... Chris Kleiman hasn't had the necessary results that I think folks in you know little the Little Apple you know Manhattan were hoping for, and I, I think Kansas State could be better than six and six. I I just don't know though. Apart from Deuce Vaughn, I don't know what Kansas State really has that that scares me. Uh, good defensive line. I think you've got a lot of guys back on their defensive line, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Aside from that. Yep. Uh, Kansas State, uh, let me see here. Checks notes. Uh, what's their defense look like? Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, ready to roll near the line of scrimmage. So, uh, you know, defensive. Uh, they had, yeah, uh, start uh, pass rusher Felix Anaduke Uzama. Um, so, I think, you know, the Eli Huggins. Is uh, the, the good defensive tackle? So yeah, the defensive line I think has a, a chance to be pretty good for Kansas State. Uh, so maybe it's uh, you know using the magic of Deuce Vaughn along with their defense, kind of keep it in low-scoring games. At the top though, I have Baylor and I have Oklahoma State. I'm a little hesitant on Oklahoma. Rematch? Yes, I, I think so. I'm a little hesitant on Baylor, or I'm not as hesitant on Baylor because I think you know what. Dave uh, Miranda has done uh, is is incredible. I think they exceeded expectations last year, and I think they'll keep doing good things there again this year. I with Oklahoma, Spencer Saunders was a, is a very good quarterback. He kind of can do it all for Oklahoma State or do what is necessary. I I just am a little hesitant. I feel like they've lost a few more players, but I have Oklahoma State and Baylor near the top, and that means I have Oklahoma taking a fairly significant step back. Well, I mean, they weren't in the top two last year, so, I mean, I guess it depends how far back you have them going if you have them finishing, like, fifth or sixth in the conference. I'm finishing fourth. 
that would, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I guess I don't have last year's standings in front of me. I'm assuming they were third in the conference last year, but I don't remember that. Uh, let, let's for let's sure. go here. Um, where was that? Because Texas wouldn't have been third. It's certainly Kansas or Texas Tech wouldn't have been. Oklahoma was third. They were, um, well, obviously this is a mistake here. I think they were, they were seven and two in the big 12 and that must be like a 12 with losses to Baylor and Oklahoma state probably, man. Yeah. Didn't they lose to Kansas state or something on the road? Maybe not. Maybe they did. I don't remember. They were third in the conference and I, I, is there a sleeper team in the Big 12 that maybe you're looking at? Because I have one here, and I, uh, I, I want to see if our maybe our sleeper teams match up. Um, I don't have them finishing in the top two, and I don't know if they're as much of a sleeper as they would have been five years ago. I mean, and also since he played at West Sioux and Haywarden, where we cover, I kind of feel obligated to say Iowa State. I don't know if that's a year. Also, I think they lost a fair amount of guys. Yeah, I have Iowa State. Yeah, I have Iowa State taking a significant step back. I don't even have them bowl eligible. I have them finishing five and seven this year. I think it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding year in Ames. I think they'll be decent and make a bowl, but that's mostly that's just because I think Pat Campbell's done so well there. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it will be in November being like, oh wow, Iowa State legitimately might make the conference title. I mean, I have Kansas beating Iowa State and TCU. So, I mean, if they don't win either of those, which they very well couldn't, I'm just trying to give Kansas a little love here. So, Iowa State could be bowl eligible if they beat Kansas. I mean, that that's what it kind of all boils down to for me. Well, in that case, I like Iowa State's chances of getting bowl eligible. Yeah. So, I think they can beat Kansas. Probably. Um... Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, rough year last year after a, a decent start. They have a tough schedule uh, with Alabama coming to town. Uh, I mean, the, of course, the neutral site game at the Texas State Fair against Oklahoma. I, I gave him that loss. I was, to, I was to, talking about someone with this, or talking to someone at work about this. Does this not sound like the most Texas thing ever? That in week two, somehow the stars aligned and they beat Alabama. And everyone says Texas is back, and then they immediately turn around and lose to UTSA the next week. Oh, a huge letdown game. Would that not be like yes. the most Texas thing for like the last it would. you know five to eight years though? It like absolutely oh my god, they would. got it fixed. There they are. This is this is those background two thousand teams. We oh never mind. No no they're not. And they have a great. Well, rec- you know, Steve Sarkeesian did a great job with your recruiting with the recruiting class. I mean, he gets Arch Manning to come in, but that's that's down the line. I don't know how big of an impact these freshmen will bring in right away this year. I actually have. I, mean, te- I don't think Manning's even there this year. I think right. it's next year. Yeah. Yep. Yes. It's the, they've got the other five star kid this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Like, like Quinn uh, Ewers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, uh, Quinn Ewers, who transferred. He he graduated early, transferred to Ohio State, and then came back to Texas, or then then came back to the state of Texas, ultimately signing with Texas. But even then, he's a freshman. He hasn't really done a whole lot, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. At, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning process. But having said that, I have Texas at six and one before they lose four or five to end the season. Real quick, I'm looking at their schedule. I do have the schedules for this year. 
Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like, yeah, I could potentially see him six and one with a loss to Alabama. Mm-hmm. And B, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. After, before the Oklahoma State game at Oklahoma State. Yep, I have them six and one, and then I have them losing back-to-back games to Oklahoma State, Kansas State, a win at TCU, and then back-to-back losses against Kansas and Baylor. I mean, again, I'm, I'm giving Kansas a little more love than I probably should. Hey, I'm never going to say no to Kansas upset in Texas, though. That's always it's like, one of the funniest things. It's kind of like in the NFL. Jacksonville is is beaten Indianapolis in Jacksonville like six or seven straight years. For whatever reason, the Colts cannot beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Kansas has a bit of a run with Texas right now. So until it happens otherwise, I'm going to give Kansas the win here, at least in Lawrence. Some teams just have other teams' numbers. And, you know, mm-hmm. if Texas is scissors, Kansas is just the rock to their scissors right now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so rebuilding year in Iowa State, I don't – I mean, Iowa State's going to be competitive. I, maybe I'm a little under with them at 5-7, and seven, but uh, I think TCU, Texas Tech also bringing in new head coaches and whatnot – Texas Tech somehow was bowl eligible last year. I have them finishing dead last year. I have them finishing two and ten. And TCU, I have them bowl eligible at six and six. But my sleeper team in this conference is West Virginia. JT Daniels transferring from Georgia to West Virginia. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and I they have a they have a tough matchup with Pittsburgh right away, right out of the shoots. Uh, to begin the season, I think Thursday night, college game day is going to be there, uh, September 1st. But it's always difficult to go to Morgantown and play, it, just with the, the long uh, traveling and whatnot. But you get JT Daniels in there, and I think that automatically gives you a chance. Uh, good defensive end, is it Dante Stills, I think, is is the the guy, uh, the defensive end? Yep, all big 12 last year. Yep, I mean, he's... He was fantastic, so I like West Virginia to maybe be that team on the outside that can make Whether a run. Whether I agree or not, that is a fantastic sleeper pick. I really do like that pick. Thank you, thank you. So I actually have West Virginia beating Oklahoma November twelfth because that game's in Morgantown. So that's why I have West I have West Virginia and Oklahoma with identical eight and four records, but with that tiebreaker there, I give West Virginia. The edge, so I have them third, but I could see them jumping. I would say probably Oklahoma State. So I could really see potentially a Baylor West Virginia Big Twelve championship game, which that screams Big Twelve to me. Baylor West Virginia. That would scream Big Twelve. <laughs> that's not what I have, but that would be fun. I would like to see that. So I have Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve championship game. We'll give our pick for that. Uh, I think we had. Mentioned just a little bit ago, we'll do that later on, like in the last week of, of our preview, right? Sure, that yep. works. Okay. Who do you have in the Big 12 championship game, or are there any other thoughts, I, any, any other potential sleeper teams, or any other thoughts on this conference? I don't really have any sleeper teams. I, I think West Virginia might be decent. I'm not as high on them as you are, although I would like to see that. I do also have Baylor in the Big 12 title game. I think Dave Aranda is an incredibly good coach who got mm-hmm. him there last year. And I know they lose some guys on defense, but I think he's a good enough coach to be able to fill some holes and they'll still go back there. The other one I have, and I kind of, 
I kind of feel a little bit guilty about picking this, but also when you look at their schedule, it's not that bad. And it's not like they have Norman. I've got Oklahoma as the other team in the Big 12 final game, even mm-hmm. with a new coach and a new quarterback. They do have uh, their offensive coordinators for Ole Miss, and they uh, took a quarterback from Ole Miss, who that guy uh, also coached him at UCF when he was there. Mm. So they do that familiarity, the offensive coordinator there. And uh, quarterback, I'm liking on his Dylan, name. Dylan Gabriel from UCF. Yes. Yep. Yep. And Oklahoma, even with some of the people that have left in transfers or decommitted after Riley left, they've still got plenty of dudes on the roster. Well, the other thing is the schedule. I mean, the non-conference schedule doesn't have anything to do with the, making the conference title game, but, you know. Look, I'd, I'd love to see Nebraska win at home against Oklahoma, but I'm not banking on that. But I, I kind of feel that's a statement game, though, for Oklahoma in that game against Nebraska because that's going to be the first true test. It's the first road game. For it is Brett at least ben a West. road game, yeah. And, and, and whether Nebraska's good or not, the crowd will be very excited. For yes, that game, I know. Yes, and I think you know if if o- I have Oklahoma winning that game, but if if they lose. I could see the season maybe coming apart a little bit here because I have them losing. Uh, there's a stretch: October 27th, November 5th, and November 12th. They're at Iowa State, home to Baylor, and at West Virginia. I have them losing all three. I think Baylor's going to go into Norman and beat them because I think Baylor's just that much better this year. Not overall, but just in a vacuum. I'm looking at this season, and I think Baylor is built better right now than what Oklahoma's is. Because of all the attrition that Oklahoma's gone through this season, I think it's just, it's unlikely that they are at the, the standard, the, the level of excellence that we've seen them from them over the previous seasons. You might be right. A couple of counterpoints to those. Yep. The attrition will be less so by the time they play Baylor outside of injuries which they yes. could certainly have a bunch of injuries yep. just because they will be guys with a lot more experience because they'll be in game, you know, eight, eight. Yep. Then, as opposed to game one or two. Yep. I don't think they're going to lose at Iowa State because they're coming off a of bye week there. Not to say it couldn't happen. True. But if it's going to be a, tra- a trip game or a trap game, you like your odds better if you have the week off prior yep. to that. Yep. I mean, West Virginia, I could definitely see it losing there, regardless of how good or bad West Virginia is. That's every Big Twelve team just always has weird times playing in Morgantown. So you're right that that definitely could be. But I, the biggest thing schedule wise, I like is that they get both Baylor and Oklahoma State at home. Yes. Who I think are going to be the toughest opponents, mm-hmm. depending on what you think about Texas and Texas as a neutral site game. Yep. So that's always different anyways. Yes, and I yeah, absolutely that Oklahoma Baylor game, I mean that could definitely swing things too in terms of who's in the championship game. Maybe maybe Oklahoma does better and it, it is worth noting that that game against Iowa State both teams are coming off the bye. So I didn't know that Iowa State also won. So now yeah. okay. All right. So um I just looked it up too. So I wanted to see who they played before. They they both have the bye. So I do it's it's going to be very interesting. That's um, how this goes about. But I have Baylor against Oklahoma State in the championship game. Who do you have? I have Oklahoma and Baylor okay. in the title game. Okay. So uh, we both have Baylor and then one of the two schools from Oklahoma. Okay. Yes. 
And whether or not this is the last year or maybe there's two more years of Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 before they move to the SEC, we'll see. But that's where we're going to go next is to the SEC. And, I mean, I don't need to tell the listening audience here just how good Alabama is with Bryce Young and that Georgia's the defending national champions and they had a historically good defense last year. And, yes, they lost a lot of pieces, but... They have, you know, Stetson Bennett, the the fourth back as their quarterback. Uh, what Bowers, the tight end, fan, fantastic. Yes, they lose some running backs, but this Georgia team is really good, and their schedule is pretty light, I think, and it sets up Georgia for another run to the college football playoff. Maybe not national championship wise, because I think Alabama is the. I think it's Alabama and Ohio State are the the cream of the crop this year in college football just because you know between Chris Stroud and Bryce Young those are the guys but certainly one can't sleep on Georgia especially because they play in the weaker SEC East I would agree, I would agree about Ohio State and Alabama being the cream of the crop like you said specifically because of their quarterbacks um also, I forgot his name, which is part of the problem of the Georgia guy from last year, who actually was a lot better than you thought he was, or than most people gave him credit for. Stetson Bennett? Yeah, correct. Yes. Stetson yeah. Bennett. But it is obviously not a guy who's going to be a first-round draft pick, so he does not have the elite of the elite-level talent. But yep. but I think George, George, at the same time, I think you could make a case Georgia's recruited better than anyone in the country in the last two or three years. Yes, so. yep. Other than quarterback, they will not be slouches, even with all the guys they lost on defense. I mean, they might go from being the best defense in college football to being, you know, the ninth best defense, which mm-hmm. I think would still mean they'll probably be pretty good. I don't think it's a rebuild. I think it's a retool year for Georgia. At least defensively, yes. yeah. And, and offensively, I think they've got a lot of guys back from an offense that, you know, wasn't like one of the ten best, but was pretty good for the most part. Well, isn't Bowers and, like he's got to be the top tight end in the nation, right? At least at the FBS uh, level. Yeah, if not on, on a very short list. Yeah. The other thing is just you look at their schedule. I don't think. I, I mean, I don't know that they're going to go twelve and zero in the regular season, just regardless of how good you are. That's never easy to do, especially in a Power Five conference. But you look at the schedule, and it's just like, I don't really know who they're going to lose to. Like, we can come up with games they might lose. I mean, they could lose to Florida or Tennessee, mm-hmm. or, you know, against Auburn, maybe. Or, like, you know, you could I could maybe be talked into Oregon, but probably not, since Oregon's got a new coach. That game I is, think Georgia's just better. Yep, that game is in Atlanta, so it, they, while they claim it's a neutral site game, Athens yeah, to Atlanta, very short compared to, you know, Eugene to Atlanta. Interesting to note, though, with Oregon, Bo Nix is the, the quarterback there at Oregon. So he was at Auburn. He's at least familiar with Georgia. That's true. And the, the neutral side game, instead of it being 90 to 10 in terms of percentage of fans that are Georgia, it might only be 80 20 right. in Atlanta. But yeah, there will be. But, and, you know, I, they're, in, they're super good, and their schedule is. For an SEC schedule, about as light as you can ask for. Yes. I mean, so, the, the I, mean I, I, you know, like, I think that, you know, Florida or Tennessee could do well. And, you know, maybe if things go right, one of them gives them a scare. But I just, I, I would be surprised if they lost to any other SEC East teams. I would 
I'm assuming that Tennessee and Florida are going to be the second and third best teams in the East. And since one of them's a neutral site game with Georgia off a bye week, and the other one against Tennessee is a home game for Georgia, I would just be very surprised if they lost either of those. Yeah, I don't think Florida is going to give them much problems this year in the, the, the largest outdoor cocktail party game uh, in Jacksonville. Florida bringing in a new coach, Napier, from Louisiana, getting his system and his culture built there in Florida after uh, Dan Mullins not, not, uh, didn't have a great finish uh, to his tenure there at Florida. So I have Florida at 6-6. Six and six. I have them, like, distant, like, at, I think fourth or fifth in the SEC East um, as a whole. I have, you have Kentucky in front of them? I have Kentucky in front of them, yes. But in terms of Georgia, just to, to put a cap on Georgia, at least for now, I think the two games that I see them potentially having issues with are in November. It's November 12th and November 19th at Mississippi State. Just with the, the Mike Leach, the offense, the, the, the passing attack, I don't... It, we'll see. Lightning in a bottle type stuff, which yeah. that offense is capable of doing. Yep, maybe the Georgia defense isn't up to par that day. And for some reason, I, Kentucky's really built like what... What uh, Mark Stoops has done there, or is it Mark or Mike? Mike Stoops. Let let me let me look here. I also have to look because I also always get those two mixed up. Which one's which? I know for sure which one Bob is. Yes. But I get Mike and Mark mixed up all the time. Yeah. Uh, who do we got here? Um, Mark Stoops in Kentucky. Mark Stoops. Thank you. Mike Stoops was the one in Arizona that got fired. Uh, there, yes. which is even more confusing because they're both wild fans. Yes. Um, so I, I Kentucky's going to be really good. They have an outstanding quarterback too. Uh, Levis, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country is kind of being touted as, or at least right up there in the, like outside of the Bryce Young, Chris Stroud tiers. I think it's certainly someone that you, Will Levis, yes, Will Levis, um, certainly someone to keep in mind, but I have Kentucky at nine and three. I think Kentucky beats Georgia. If I I can't I couldn't pick Georgia to go undefeated this year just because they. That's fair. I get that. I also hate picking teams to go undefeated. They too. just they just lost too much. Um, but I have Georgia at eleven and one, and it would almost mean then that they would need to be. I think we both have Alabama out of the West, right? Yeah. Okay. I tried to talk myself out of picking both Georgia and or Alabama, mm-hmm. and couldn't do it either yep. way. I mean. I think there's ways. It's partially because I think the East is just not as good as the West. That Georgia's schedule was just like, nah, can't pick them to not win. Yes. I think there's ways you could kind of try to trick yourself into not taking Alabama in the West, but I'm not going to do that. Right. You and I both at times try to get cute with these yes. and it frequently blows up in our faces. It does. And especially trying to do it with Alabama is just a losing proposition. Exactly. Not the saying that we don't think Georgia could go undefeated because their schedule is set up pretty nicely for them to run the table, at least to the SEC championship game. If that is the case, if they're undefeated, make it to the to Atlanta and then lose to Alabama. I think there's they're a lock to make the college football playoff like they were last year. If they're eleven and one, then lose to Alabama. Then we then we need to talk a little bit. But I have that one loss to Kentucky. I have Tennessee in second at nine and three with a win against Kentucky. So I give them the tiebreaker edge 
there. In fact, I think I, I'm changing this. I'm going to put Tennessee at 10-2. and two. I like what Josh Heupel's doing there. They score a bunch of points. Can that defense rise up to the, you know, to at least be average and keep teams off the board so you don't have to put up as many points? But uh, uh, Hendon Hooker, the, for, the Virginia Tech transfer, was there last year, did great. He's got another year now with Heupel. So I really like Tennessee but they're finishing below Georgia here because I have Georgia beating Tennessee in Athens. Kentucky third. Florida fourth at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Who else am I missing here? Missouri, get them the hell out of here. 4-8. And, and Vanderbilt, 3-9, oh, and 0-8 in conference again. But Vanderbilt, I think, has a chance to beat uh, South Carolina and Florida in November to get them an SEC win, but not quite there. Vanderbilt three and nine in, in the in conference, so that's the order I have in the SEC East. I would more or less have the same order. I think Kentucky and Florida could come down to who wins when they play each other. It's early in the year. Yep, um, I don't time. have it talk to me, but I know it's at Florida. Yep, we and Kentucky won last year. And I, I mean, what they're good enough that they could win two in a row. But I just I feel like Florida has more kind of a bounce back year. Kentucky's still good, and, and I think, like, clearly going to a bowl game at, like, 8-4 or so, but I think, uh, I think I, probably I would think, like, Florida and Kentucky will both be about 8-4, and four, but four, I've got Florida beating Kentucky. So I guess I would say they tie, but Florida wins the tiebreaker. Okay, okay. And, um, then, and then also Tennessee second, then Florida first. I think, I think I mean, Tennessee. Sorry, Georgia first. Yes, yep, I think Tennessee's just built for some big things here. But I think Kentucky's not far behind them. I mean, it's weird to say that Kentucky is better than Florida, but that's where I think they're at right now program-wise. That's not to say that's the case. That that's going to be the case in three or four years once we see what Napier can do and bringing in his uh, you know, the recruiting classes. But right now, Kentucky's ahead of Florida, and I think by a fairly decent margin. Those Stoopses can coach. I yes. mean – Oklahoma was great under Bob Stoops. Mm-hmm. This is the best Kentucky's been in our lifetimes in football. Yep. And say what you want about Mike Stoops and being weird, melting down on the sidelines. I think he probably has been the most successful Arizona coach in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Definitely. On the West, I think we can all agree that the SEC West is the most difficult division in all of college football. Right? I mean, Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. And... There's, uh, depending on how you feel about, like, maybe Auburn, unlike the Big Ten East, that the Big Ten East will just have at least one team in Rutgers that's probably just going to be terrible. It, it, it might have two or three, yep. where I don't know if anyone in the SEC West is going to be, like, truly, truly terrible. I mean, yeah. they might have one that doesn't go to a bowl game, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the way they do the non-conference, that all seven from the West make a bowl. I uh, just to, to recap here on the on the east side here. I forgot to include South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to be six and six. I I'm curious to see what Spencer Rattler can do. I think South Carolina has the potential to be better than six and six. I have them beating Florida, so I have them jumping actually over Florida. But that's a very intriguing team, South Carolina. Maybe not this year, but I like what uh, Beamer is building down there. And with Rattler coming in, I think South Carolina could be a sneaky team in the East. Depends which Rattler you get. If you get the Rattler from two years ago, then they could be really, really good. Yes. If it's the up-and-down Rattler from last year, then 
I would say like five and seven or six and six. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? We'll yep. see. Uh, just going back to Auburn here for a second in the, in the SEC West, I have them as the worst team in this division. I have them finishing five and seven, not even going to a bowl game. Oklahoma had a bad offseason. So did Auburn. Haskin almost lost his job. I mean, the, the Auburn head coach. It, yeah. It, 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 I also it, have them as the worst team in the West, but but probably still good enough to beat most of the teams in the SEC. I mean, you have guys leaving, like Derek Mason left, the former Vanderbilt coach. He was the defensive coordinator at uh, Auburn last year. He's no longer there. I mean, th- this is just not a, a program that seems to be in a good place right now. And I think Carson is going to leave here, at, is going to be fired at the end of the season. I didn't like the hire initially when they brought him in from Boise State. I feel like that's an awfully big like culture shock almost. I just don't I don't see it going well in Auburn this year. I think Auburn is going to be lucky to have five wins. You said you don't think Auburn's in a good place right now. To be fair, I would say they're never in a good place. Because going back to, like, Pat Dye, I don't think anyone's coached at Auburn for more than five or six years in yeah. a row. At least and when, that includes the coaches that have won national titles there. Right. I mean, at least all of a sudden they're like, well, six and six, and then the fans get angry. Yep. And then the next year they're two and two, and they fire them. Yep. It's the, because even though they're really, really good, they only compare themselves to Alabama, which is just a losing proposition. Nick Saban recently said that last year was a rebuilding year for Alabama and that's like that's kind of funny I mean I don't know if he was being serious or not but you think he was just trying to stick it to Georgia a little bit there I I mean like I I know you guys won the national title but that doesn't really count because we were rebuilding I I don't know I I, I truly don't because they made it to the national championship game and lost so I think that that's a very interesting dynamic here in all this but Alabama's going undefeated for me Bryce Young uh, I mean is is the real deal I love their um, linebacker, Anderson. I think he's a sleeper Heisman candidate. If you're looking at maybe a non-quarterback, um, he's going to be up there. What, he had, what, 17 and a half sacks last year? I mean, he's just an incredible. He's a freak on defense. Yeah, let me uh, get this guy here. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. So, I mean, just incredible. Uh, so, yeah, 17 and a half sacks last last year. So, Will Anderson's going to anchor that defense. I think the defense is going to be really good once again. Replacing the wide receivers, Jamison Williams, uh, John Mechie, that's going to be a little difficult, but Alabama's just churning out wide receivers like crazy uh, these these yeah, recent years. The number years. of times Alabama's had a receiver with like 90 or 100 or more catches for 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns and then leaves for the NFL, mm-hmm. and then they're like, yeah, we just found another guy that did the exact same thing. It's I think we're going to. I think we're going to see them go a little more ground and pound here. They have a, a very good stable of running backs here, so it might not be Bryce Young necessarily chucking it through the air as much. But when he is going to throw it, it's going to be money. And I, I Alabama's running the table here. I'm going giving them 12 and 0 uh, through the regular season. Maybe a trip up game in um, Oxford at, against Ole Miss November 12th. But other than that. Sorry, I just don't... Uh, Tennessee could be interesting on October 15th. Um, that would, that'll actually be a very interesting game, an intriguing game, Tennessee at... Or Alabama at Tennessee. But ultimately, Alabama too strong. I have them undefeated. I've got Alabama winning the West. I don't have them going undefeated. Okay. Who do you have them I losing think, to? 
I, I, yeah, well, I'm going to preface this. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Okay, okay. That I think the team that's going to finish second in the West is going to be Texas A&M. But I think Jimbo's a good coach who had some weird stuff at the end at Florida State and appears to be building a pretty good team at Texas A&M. Yep. I think the talent they have that this will be like the – this will be the year Texas A&M fans basically have dreamed of in terms of when they paid them all the money to coach them. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest problem is that it's like, well, unfortunately, you play at Alabama and you beat Alabama last year, so you're literally going to get Alabama's absolute best shot. Yes. And I don't think Texas A&M's win the national title good. I think they're good, but not win the national title good. And if you're not winning the national title good, you're not going to beat Alabama when you're getting your best shot. I think A&M has the potential in a couple years, just with the recruiting classes that they that Jimbo Fisher is bringing in there, I think they're national championship contenders maybe next year and certainly the year after. But I, yeah. I agree. Like I should say, I think I would say they're national championship contenders this year if they weren't in the same conferences as Alabama and Georgia. I'm bullish. If they were in the yeah. Big 12 or the Pac-12, I'd be like... Especially the Big 12, I'd be like, yeah, they're going to win the conference and make the playoffs because they're that good. I am. Bull- I, I, I yep. think I would, but obviously that's not how it works with the conferences. I'm bullish on A&M as well. I have them going 11-1, finishing second in the West with that one loss to Alabama. A uh, couple of games that maybe give me pause would be against Miami, September 17th, and then at Mississippi State, uh, October 1st, the week before Alabama. I Inevitably, Jimbo Fisher is likely to have a game that he just screws up, um, yeah. and that that's going to get that's the fair. and faithful. So, I more realistically, probably ten and two, maybe nine and three, which I think would be a bad year. Injuries just decimated them last year, especially at the quarterback position, which is all the more reason why that win against Alabama was so surprising because they didn't yeah. have their starting quarterback there at that time or for that game. But I have A&M finishing 11-1 with that one loss to Alabama. And then to your question earlier on who I've got Alabama losing to, I don't have them losing to LSU, but that's at LSU, regardless of how good or bad LSU is. Like, they always at home give Alabama their absolute best shot. Yep. And and then the next week after that, Alabama plays Ole Miss on the road. And I think they lose to Ole Miss – after a physical drag about fight with LSU, that that Alabama probably wins like twenty four to eleven, like mm-hmm. some weird score like that. But it's like, oh, this was actually a, a pretty tight game for the most part, and then loses a shootout to Wayne Kiffin and Ole Miss the following week. And I, you know what, I like that pick, and that was the one I was hesitant on whether or not I would give Alabama the win there or not. But I could certainly see them losing that game to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Uh, I've got a beating Tennessee on the road, but I think you. I mean, look, I mean, I clearly think Alabama's going to win the division. Mm-hmm. The two, the two games I would point as like these are the possible ones they could lose. Like I said, Ole Miss. The other one at Tennessee. Yes, yes. Because the week before they play Texas A and M, that's going to be like we we are giving our our full blown full effort on this. And just for the most part, in especially college or high school sports, even really good teams rarely play their A game two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll play their A game against Texas A&M. And, yep. But I think that that means on the road against Tennessee, it'll probably be like their B or their B-plus game. Yes. And I think their B-plus game could still beat Tennessee, 
but I think it means it's going to be like a lot more interesting and it's a game in the fourth quarter. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that. The two biggest games I think that you could easily say that Alabama could lose would be at Tennessee October 15th and at Ole Miss November 12th. I think we're in agreement there. Um, what do we make of LSU? You know, Brian Kelly coming in, it's... I, I don't know what the Baton Rouge faithful are going to, how much patience they're going to have. I can't, I can't for the life of me peg what LSU is going to do. A lot of t- guys transferred out of that program. I know Kelly's bringing in. So, you know, it's going to take a little while. I have LSU finishing six and six. They could go eight and four. Maybe they go five and seven or four and eight. I, I think any. I, I just don't know, but they aren't certainly like co- uh, the playoff caliber ready or ready to compete in the you know like the top two or three teams in the division in the SEC West. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. I think that's fair. I think that Brian Kelly could be pretty good there if he gets the time to do what he needs and things don't blow up early. I think the biggest thing. To a degree, I think he'll get a grace period for at least this first season. I think basically as long as they go to a board game, I don't think it'll be that bad there. Like, I don't think they'll freak out that much if they go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five in year one. Mm-hmm. And then I think as long as there's progress in year two, they won't freak out. Yep. And then if by year three, as long as you have like a big year, I mean, I don't think you have to win the national title, but if you're in contention to win the division and win double-digit games, then it'd be like, okay, this looks like Brian Kelly towards the end at Notre Dame, and they could be pretty good again. I have The problem is if they go, like you said, if they go like 5-7 and seven in year one, and then they're like 6-6 six and six or 7-5 in year two, then it could get really ugly there. I have LSU starting out 5-0 and oh, and then losing 6-7 of seven to end the year because their last seven games are just brutal. Even though they have three of them at home, I have them losing to Tennessee, losing to Ole Miss, and losing to Alabama. I gave them a loss at Florida in there. I have losses at Arkansas and A&M with the only win in that time frame, November 19th against UAB. I, but you just look at I hadn't the, looked at their schedule this closely until you brought that up. But, yeah, that is a uh, that is a brutal a closing schedule. I would not wish that on anybody in the country. If, granted, you get Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Alabama at home. But those are still elite programs or programs that are in a better spot than you are because you are in your first year, you're getting a new quarterback. I And I get that this is towards the latter half of the season, but it's still you're trying to get in your recruits and whatnot. I, I just think that the more established program is the better is in a better spot. And right now, that's not LSU. I would say... The closing schedule is nasty. It's very lucky for Brian Kelly that Florida State is not the Florida State of like five or six years ago. Right. Also. Yes. That that would be an I, I if it was the if it was the Jimbo Fisher when they were really good Florida States, this would be like the nastiest schedule in the country. If if Al if this if that neutral site game with Florida State on Sunday September fourth if that was in say Atlanta I might give Florida State the edge I'm giving LSU the win there because it's in New Orleans it's just far closer I mean I guess not it's closer but I mean Florida State yeah. does still have a, a lot of fans there 
But it's in-state. I'm going to give LSU the edge I there. think Florida State's been bad enough the last few years that I'm sure they will have a lot of fans there, but it would not be the same as it was six or seven years ago. Right. Where I think LSU fans, it's, hey, it's closer, and also it's like, oh, also, new coach, want to see how this looks. And, it's all, and even though Florida State's not good, the brand name still kind of means something. That I, I, I just think LSU fans will be much more excited about the game, and it'll be like... yes. I'm going to say 65, 35% LSU fans, maybe 70, 30. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think they'll have certainly the majority of the fans there. Mississippi State's another team I can't quite peg. Uh, I I think, you know what, this is year three with Mike Leach. I think that helps a lot. You know, they, they're going to have a lot of good um, – their, their offense is going to put up numbers, but not like what you saw at Washington State. They just the defenses are much more difficult in the SEC. They aren't as susceptible. They're recruiting so much better. Too. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I look at Mississippi State. Yes, Will Rogers, very good quarterback. When they're when the offense is on, it's on. But when it's not, it looks so bad. And that's why I'm giving Mississippi State six wins as well. The six and six. I just. I think Ole Miss is better with Lane Kiffin, even though you know they're losing Matt Corral, losing some other guys. I think uh, Lane Kiffin did a great job in the transfer portal. I think he's got a, a, a good team there. I think Ole Miss goes nine and three in there, uh, probably third third in the SEC West, only behind Alabama and A and M. But Mississippi State down there, and is are we going to see uh, Coach Pittman in Arkansas have? another good season. I mean, that last year was truly amazing what he did there um, with the Razorbacks. Does Arkansas take a step back? Because now they're not going to catch the country by surprise. I love K.J. Jefferson, their quarterback, because he's a dual threat, obviously going to run a little bit more. It's it's Hog Nation or whatever, you know, whoop pig suey, whatever. Um, Arkansas is going to be good. I don't know how good, though. Because does the rest of the country be like, okay, we can't take Arkansas? Or does the rest of the conference say, okay, we have to take Arkansas a little more seriously now? But they're probably the most physically um, imposing team, maybe outside of Alabama in the whole conference. I think to a degree, I I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that teams will take them or will not overlook them, but that they are good enough that it might not matter. I think I've got Arkansas fourth behind Alabama one, uh, Texas a and two, and Ole Miss three, mm-hmm. and then Arkansas. Then and after that, I don't know, maybe Mississippi State and LSU tied for fifth, and then Auburn last. Yes, but okay. We're in we're in uni- uh, more, we're unanimous. More or less the same. Yes. With maybe a little bit of difference on Ole Miss and Arkansas. But yeah. Yep, I know. I think we we are the same in the order. Um, I think I have LSU finishing ahead of Mississippi State, but that's really neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth noting that Mississippi State, according to uh, returning production on defense, has the eighth most returning on defense. Although Mississippi State, not known for their defense, is bringing all those guys back a good thing. Who knows? Right. We'll find out. Yep. Uh, Arkansas has a tough game right out of the gates, though, against Cincinnati. I mean, that that's difficult. But this four-game stretch here in at the, the end of September through middle of October, I think is, it's not the most difficult, but it is difficult. September 24th, neutral site game in Arlington against A&M. 
then home against Alabama the week after, at Mississippi State, at BYU. That. That at BYU, that, that BYU game, I'm very intrigued for, between two, like, large, grown, let's run the ball and be tough teams, and let's run and be tough coaches. And they're both like, hey, we're tougher than any other team in the country. Do you, and to see what it's like when they go against each other. I just, I find the whole, the, the cultural concept of that matchup is just going to be staggering. Arkansas fans invading Provo, Utah is just... Yeah. Uh, a Deep South team and a Mormon Western team yes. essentially playing a Big Ten game against each other. I don't know if you if you paid attention to this during the College World Series, but like if Arkansas fans, I think had the most Jello shots. This this one bar sold like five dollars. Oh, in Omaha, shot. I saw it. Yes, it was like Arkansas and Ole Miss were the two fighting for the lead. Yes, if I remember like, right. Were, yeah, and I can't remember if Arkansas won it or Ole Miss, but like over, like it was like. Eight thousand, thousands of yeah, yellow thousands stuff. of them. I remember that it was so, like in, in, in like far more than whoever was third, fourth, like thousands more. Yes, than like Stanford had under a hundred. Like their fans, oh, too snooty to drink or whatever. But you have these. Arkansas fans that are... The, the to be boot- fair, at 36, I don't know if I'm doing jello shots anymore. I know, but, but. Uh, you have these boozed-up Razorback fans that are going to come into uh, Utah, and, I, I mean, there's a lot of dry territory or counties there. They just don't drink a lot there. Like I, I think that's just going to be weird. They it's might good. be dry, but I bet Arkansas fans are going to be drinking there, whether oh, yeah. it's legal or not. It's going to be BYOB, and good luck with the Provo police trying to, to corral everyone there. You know what the in, upside in is, though? Yeah, what's is that? If they get in trouble with the police, they can be like, it sounds like you've been drinking. They can be like, oh, that's just my southern accent. Yeah, you yeah. Utah boys don't understand how we talk in the south. Yeah, exactly. Get exactly. out of jail free card more or less there. Yeah, so that game is one certainly one of the more intriguing games, I think, for me out of this whole slate here, especially non-conference related. I think Ohio State-Notre Dame is the is probably the premier non-conference game that we're going to see, Alabama-Texas to degree. But a sneaky one under the radar here, Arkansas at BYU. I agree. I think that one will be, I mean, yeah, it's not the best one, but will be fun. And like I said, it's, it's two teams that are not the Big Ten that are going to play like a 1998 Big Ten football game. Yes. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, one team's, they're both going to be, it's essentially going to be like a cage match between two teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, which team's going to tap out? I don't know which one it is. But it, it'll it, it'll probably be the fastest game of the season, too, as long as it doesn't go to open time. This better be like a 10-15 p.m. Eastern kickoff time on ESPN2 with Dave Fleming and Ron Gilmore. Like, maybe it's deserving of better than those two, but make it a night game. Like, that. this can't be an afternoon kickoff. This has to be evening. This has to be late. This has to be, like, Pac-12 after dark almost, uh, except, obviously, neither of these teams are in the Pac-12. But make this a late kickoff. That's what I'm asking. That's what we need for this game. I agree. It should be. And apparently, BYU fans, even though there's probably not a great deal of alcohol consumption, are still good at night games of being loud and everything. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, like even in terms of like some culture shock stuff, I would imagine that Arkansas and BYU fans would probably get along pretty well for the most part, too, though. They'd be like, oh my god, we can just talk about football and how we like going to church a lot? Like, 
we got a lot more in common than we thought we did. Yeah, Baptist and Baptist and a, a Latter Day Saint. I mean, depending on which kind of Baptist, a lot of Baptists aren't supposed to drink either, so they would have that in common. With yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I doubt that. I think uh, isn't most of the South drunk? I'm anyway? sure that there are some Arkansas <laughs> fans that are like, no, I do not drink alcohol. Now I don't know how many of them are going to be under the age of twenty-three. You could probably count them on one finger or on one hand. How many don't do that? So in the Pac-12 or Pac-12, goodness gracious, SEC. I have Alabama against Georgia in the SEC championship game. I I believe that's what you have as well. Yep. All right. I think uh, when if I remember right, you had Georgia. Losing once, yes, and I had Georgia going undefeated, and then you have Alabama going undefeated, and I have Alabama going once, yeah, and or losing I... once. So, so between us, we have the, the two same teams, and have them being a combined twenty, what twenty three and one. Yeah, and I feel I, I like your position a lot more than I do mine because I, I, yeah, I, I am very hesitant with the Ole Miss and the. Um, and the Tennessee game for Alabama, but this Alabama team just seems it, 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 injuries can always do. Returning the Heisman stuff, Trophy but, winning quarterback and the best defensive player in college football yeah. is a nice start for a season. Yeah, it's, it is. It's good if you can do that. It, it's really and not, also yeah, have the coach who's won more national titles than anyone else would. I mean, it's really you could only ask for good things to happen to Nick Saban after everything he's been through. <laughs> It just like you couldn't have asked that down it on his yeah. hard guy that never gets the big breaks. Exactly, exactly. It's good to, to, that some success has found his way. So yeah, it's about time. All right, so that does it for our preview uh, for this week. Here we'll we'll reconvene again uh, uh, next time and do the Pac-12 and the the Big Ten here. But uh, overall thoughts as we're doing this, uh, um, I'm excited for this. I'm also excited for this. This is, in some ways, this is kind of like the real kickoff to college football season for me when we start doing this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, I don't mean to give anything away here, but I believe uh, the rumors are that the uh, America's favorite games are coming back this season. We're finalizing the details here, but uh, I believe streaming Bo- services renewed it for another year. Yes, yes, they did. Yes. Uh, so bull bound or not, uh, it, it's clearly America's favorite game. I don't uh, family feud aside, prices right aside, wheel of fortune aside. It's, uh, it's gotta be in the top it's five. Better top numbers 10. than the bachelor. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, when will they, it, we just don't know. What teams are going to do it? But we'll see those in the middle of the season here. Those games likely to return. We'll finalize the details there. So uh, looking forward to it all, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I always appreciate the time, my friend. Um, and looking forward to, to spending a lot of quality time with you here on the podcast uh, throughout this month and also this season. I am also. It should be fun. And I hope you have a great vacation here, uh, visiting your sister and whatnot, and we'll, we'll talk down the line. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Yep, sounds good. Talk to you later, buddy. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, yep. kind enough to join me here with a good preview of the AAC, the Big 12, and the SEC. Uh, plenty more to get to here. We'll have, uh, the, like I said, probably next week we'll do the Big 10 and the Pac-12 We'll do the ACC and Independence the following week, and then we'll wrap it all up with our championship game picks, the college football playoff picks, and um, a Heisman Trophy 
the following week, um, the official kickoff week of college football. So, uh, hope you're excited as excited for this as we are. Um, getting to that a lot. Of course, we'll talk plenty of college football with Travis here over the 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 month as well. But this was really kind of the the reconvening of this of the Sports Block podcast. We had been off for a month and a half. Travis got married. Went on the honeymoon. I had a second kid. Well, I didn't have the second kid. My wife did. But um, a lot of life events there, so it was good to catch up there, get to everything. And, hey, big ball of B, triple B here. Uh, man, I love your style. So, uh, of course, we have to we, – we started that with – we started the podcast with that. And, yeah, why not? Let's end it with a look back at um, – yeah, LeVar Ball uh, with his... Uh, granted, that's for the blog. It's not for the podcast. But we can only assume that um, he would do it for the podcast as well. So here is again is LeVar Ball. Nathan, what's going down, man? It's the big baller, baby. That's right. Charlie done reached out to the big baller and told me that it's going down. Going to be your 11th anniversary, dog. With your blob, the stack attack. Oh, I love the name, Triple B style. Big baller brand is in the building, baby. And you know how we do this. Man, I love your style. Keep doing what you're doing. And the fact that you got your own thing going on, I love it. That entrepreneurial spirit. Triple B style, man. You got your man Charlie behind you. Now you got the big baller brand behind you. Triple B's, baby. Keep doing your thing. I love you, dog. Big baller's out. And I holla. It's changed my opinion on LeVar Ball. Slightly. No, a lot. We tight, yo. All right, that does it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. You can always find our podcast available on podcast.com. Also on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins. Facebook Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We are back. We'll be doing these hopefully more, uh, well, certainly weekly now. Uh, maybe a couple breaks here and there, but uh, for the most part, we're, we're back to doing this here. So appreciate uh, you giving us that time as we, we got through those, uh, that we we just celebrated those life events. So it was a lot of fun at Travis and Melissa's wedding. Um, and just great to catch up with, with Travis again here and, and get this uh, started back up. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And tune in again next week. Plenty of college football, baseball, you name it, we'll talk about it. That's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Triple B! Just kidding. It's Nathan Stacking here saying thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.